Welcome to the Austin Institute's podcast, What We Can't Not Talk About. What are the institutions in your life, whether it's state, church, university, doing for marriage? Seldom did they think about too many things except sort of, well, what would help? We need more good examples. Good morning, everyone, and then welcome back to another episode of What We Can't Not Talk About. Again, the title that we chose is the one that I've always had a hard time pronouncing, but that's why we find it funny. So for this episode, as promised some time ago, we have again with us our senior fellow at the Austin Institute, Professor Mark Regneris. Good morning, Professor Regneris. Morning, Mariana. So thank you for being back with us. Happy to do it. We did have a sort of a promise in our last episode together with when we said, you know, that your latest book, The Future of Christian Marriage, is not only an analysis of the status of the horrible status of marriage among Christians that is receding and it has, you know, this delayed uh, time and, and shrinking in numbers, but you also have in your final chapters, you have some I would say positive suggestions or positive outlook and marriage is there to say, but also what to do for this to be true. So if you don't mind, I would like you to tell us more about that today. So let me start. You have sort of a list, mm -hmm. which would work maybe even for educator, for parents, what are things that work? First one being tell exemplary stories. You know, we're sort of storytelling creatures and cultures. So I think looking back over the, the course of my career, I've written a lot of things using survey numbers, but whenever you can actually tell people's own stories, it's much more influential and powerful and moving. So I really think that in, in this domain, to just come across and talk about, oh, the, the marriage rate has fallen by X amount, like that doesn't move people, right? Mm. You need to talk about people's actual stories, right? So that's one of the reasons why I focused on in-person interviews for this book. But it's also one of the reasons when I asked each person we talked to, like, what are the institutions in your life, whether it's state, church, university, doing for marriage? Seldom did they think about too many things except sort of, well, what would help? We need more good examples. Okay, and so we but need do, to so hear about think, those good examples. But the, the answer, you, you, this suggestion, is it an answer to bad stories going around? Well, there's tons of bad stories, and they take those for granted. They see them on television, etc. So you mean people so like, telling, they oh, need to know, there are divorces, there right, are abuses. Everybody parents. knows that stuff. Okay. You, that, that's an old story, right? But they said, oh, we need to hear the positive examples, see the positive examples story I lead with in that section is one that I, if I can retell it here. Yeah, I, mean, I, I learned it, so I'm sure the audience will learn it. <laughs> I learned in, uh, when I visited Warsaw, Poland for the first time, and I met the Archbishop of Vilnius, which is in Lithuania, next mm -hmm. door. And um, his English was so amazing. I'm like, wow, this is exceptional, right? And I sat down next to him at breakfast, and I said, how did you learn so English so well? And he joked, that, oh, I've been practicing it. And then he was like, oh, no, 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 no. How, here's how it happened. I'm American, right? I'm like, how are you American? And, uh, and then he, he went on to tell the story that his father and mother were separated by the Iron Curtain after the Second World War. And his dad was in the West. His mother was back in Vilnius with their daughter. And uh, they could not be reunited 
And he sought for years and years and well over a decade to get them out of Lithuania, which was the Soviet Union. And then finally, Nikita Khrushchev, in a, in a goodwill gesture, I believe, to Richard Nixon. Uh, maybe it wasn't Richard Nixon. Maybe Johnson. In the uh, enabled them sure, to come yeah. together, right? So enabled them to hurt and the daughter to emigrate to the United States. And so they're reunited after 15 or 16 years. And I'm thinking to myself, this is exceptional. So then then he's, you know, created by the parents and they have, there's two kids in the family and one is 16 or 17 years older than the other, right? It's just a a beautiful story. (laughs) I just was so awestruck by that and so moved by like, this guy, like, could I do that? Hmm. Would I wait for my wife for 16 years? Would I try hard to get her out of it? I mean, I, I just like, I have no idea, but I right. know that like, I aspire to be like that. And if you hear of something like that, you might yeah. be doing it. Yeah, which probably links to another suggestion that I've down, which is how to help. Basically, if your friend is about to get a divorce, just don't tell them, oh, go do it. Right, it's, you're gonna right. So, what is that advice? Like trying to tell the stories to the ones that are in need. Right. Or- so, to segue from telling one kind of story to another kind of story, I mean, people in struggling marriages see all sorts of options to get out, etc. And they hear stories from people like, "Oh, you should just leave." You know, social media today is all about social support, never about social control. I mean, like, hey, this is not a good idea, right? In fact, but why'd you say? <laughs> You do say um, divorce is, you define it, the, the gift that keeps on gift, taking. Taking, right? Yeah. 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 Because but you do know the stories about very terrible marriages where. Sure, uh, sure. Right? And we're not saying yeah, that. It's not my job to keep everybody intact, but uh, I, I'm convinced that certainly a majority, if not a large majority of, of divorces are fundamentally unnecessary because the things that have gone wrong are actually correctable if two people want to do it. Now, the, the problem with marriage and divorce is like, it takes two to be married. It takes one to leave, right? So these things can often be out of a person's control. But those two are about telling stories and about helping people to hang in there. I wrote a piece for First Things a few years ago, which is entitled The Good Enough Marriage, right? Because I think a lot of people have good enough marriages. They're not fabulous. They can get better and they should not bail. But we have super high expectations for what marriage ought to look like and feel like. That too is involved in kind of the delayed age at first marriage these days. And as a sociologist, you do, and it's not the first time you mention all how there is one thing that is sure among sociologists that divorce has bad consequences, including in so-called good divorces, right? Right. Yeah. right. The yeah. one thing about the good divorce, my ex-late uh, colleague, Norval Glenn, noted that uh, even in divorces, in particular in divorces where the children thought, oh, I thought my parents were getting along fine. And then they just kind of leveled with us, we're splitting. Like that was just sort of so destabilizing to a kid. And then you see your your split parents still talking, getting along. Like that harms the child's ability to think about marriage in the future. They think, I have no idea how to improve upon what I saw my parents' marriage was like, which was pretty decent, good and enough. Still they didn't, and they're like, yeah. I don't know, it didn't work. How in the world am I supposed to do this? Now, if your parents' marriage was really poor, you typically have a good idea of like, 
There are things I'm not going to do. Yes. What I saw, right? So that's a little more functional, right? Because you know how to build off of that. But a good divorce can be like... Destabilizing mm -hmm. and creating... Disorienting kids. Yes. That's, this is fascinating and how, you know, our brain works. I mean, now you put a picture of future. And in that, I think there is then the other advice on how children picture their future based on parental advice. Like, so what parents right. tell them. And I think this is yeah. pretty, yeah. It's funny. I was, I was communicating with a college student from a nearby university who uh, she wants to marry. And she's like 19 or 20. But her parents are like, do not elope, right? <laughs> and I thought to myself, it's kind of romantic to hear of people even talking about eloping because that is so not on people's radar screens these days. It used to be a thing, but now like young adults, they don't really disobey their parents on marital advice. And the parents are almost always, almost always counseling, slow down, wait, prepare. I mean, they're yes. the... They're the centerpiece of or source of advice for the sort of capstone vision of marriage that you have to wait and wait and wait and practice and learn before you're ready, right? And especially if your parents have been divorced, they're almost never in a hurry say, to get you married. Yeah. yeah. Yes. They're like, okay, no, no, no. This was a bad idea. Be very careful. Never depend on this person. Yeah. All these sort of story. things that are like, you know what? That's kind of like not what marriage is supposed to be about. Yes. Yeah. You're so right, Professor. I, I think that my generation for sure can relate to everything you're saying. And then you have this other suggestion, which is, you know, make the home a heaven. Um, haven. Sorry. Haven. Yeah. Sorry. Um, home isn't going to be heaven, perhaps, yeah. but a haven. <laughs> yes. 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 Sorry. They know I'm Italian, so I can't, I can't be forgiven. And then among others, there's one that is particularly dear to me when I read your book. Um, you, you, you talk about the this creation or, or recovery of marriage-friendly subculture. And you do mention the John Paul, St. John Paul II mm-hmm. idea of Shrodovisko. 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 Yes. Yeah. The thing I like about that, and it's not simple to create or recreate, but uh, the word translates loosely into environment or milieu, right? And it wasn't like this is a cult of personality around, you know, Karl Wojtyla when he was a priest in Krakow. This is sort of him enabling a network of Christians around him in his parish and diocese to form relationships with each other, often based on common interests, you know, to be very scholarly ones, etc. But then the emphasis is on friendships, right? And honesty and Christian worship in Soviet era Poland, where, you know, everybody was ready and willing to rat you out, right? So this is sort of a refreshing kind of set of relationships. Anyways, so he's at the center of this, giving spiritual counsel to people. He was their confessor, etc. He'd go on ventures to the mountains south of Krakow with them. So he was around. He was like a spiritual guide and director to them. And what so happened in all this is that people would meet each other and fall in love and marry and have families. And that's what happens when you wed basically Christian faith with an active local church and sort of groups, interest groups that form around those things. I mean, it's uh, it was a breath of fresh air. It's not easy to replicate. We live in a kind of cult of personality era now, but he wasn't the point of this. He just was the one who helped 
facilitate to make it happen. It was not a formalized thing. You weren't either in or out of it, but you kind of knew if you were part of that crowd. Could we say that if we, you know, going back to when we first talked of marriage as a natural institution, and so something that doesn't really require a particular faith to be there, because there are these qualities that maybe even this environment that we can create doesn't need to be necessarily a religious one. It can just be one where there is a real truth seeking of what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful. Well, if you do those things, if you search for what's true, good, and beautiful, you will find yourself in surrounded by people of faith and asking questions like that. So, yeah. Well, yes. And yeah, but, you know, then the answer is... It's not exclusively so, right? But today, it's like when you think about the kinds of but environments. Sorry, sorry, just to, you know, because we need to wrap up. But so to bring something also to your senior fellow of the Austin Institute for the Study of Family and Culture and among the many activities, the Austin Institute is not a religious institution, but for sure is an institution that is dedicated to, you know, looking and studying at what is true, what is good and what is beautiful. And that's what we do for students. So would you think that this is a good way for young generation just to follow in sure. seminars on virtues and yeah. perhaps just creating friendships around those tables. Yep. So one of the nice things that the Institute does is it opens its doors and hosts lots of events, meals, etc. This makes good sense. People meet each other, etc. Who knows? It may be a source of uh, future marriages. I don't know if I haven't kept track if we have a track record on that or not. We but should. We should. <laughs> start tallying. Yes. Now, it does remind me. And of this, tell good stories afterwards, yeah, right? It and reminds me students. of a similar thing that happened and is going on in the Lanus, uh, Ladislav Hanus Fellowship in Bratislava, Slovakia. Same kind of thing. It's a little bit more faith oriented, but like it has created space and time and questions and answers and social fellowship such that I, you know, I forget how many marriages have been spawned. I, I cited it in my book, you know, more than a dozen for sure. Yeah, it's kind of well, nice byproduct. It's not the point. Yes. It's a nice byproduct. I, I think we should all agree on that because families are good. So I thank you very much, Professor Agneras. And there is, I mean, there are plenty of topics that we would like to discuss with you. I think one of those being Chip Sacks, which was your previous book and what it all means. But I will leave that to another occasion. And thank you once more for your great work. You're welcome, Mariano. Thank you all for listening to the Austin Institute's podcast, What We Can't Not Talk About. Please share it with your friends. Please give us a five-star rating and please donate so we can do even more.